Thank you, Ben, and uh, good to see everybody. Uh, well, I can't exactly see it. All I can see is a camera, but I'm absolutely, absolutely blessed to be able to be here with this amazing technology that we have, these amazing guys this week who have uh, set up um, uh, everything so that we can make church online happen. So right where you are right now, just give them a big clap on your couch, just Angus, Dan, Tom, Sal, all the guys, just give them a big clap and, uh, <coughs> and uh, just thank them for what they've done. I don't know about you, but I found a lot of comfort in the rain this morning. Just as I was coming in, I was coming in at, at 7 a.m. and uh, there was just rain just, just gently coming down and it just really refreshed me. It just gave me a great sense that God is present and he's with us. And, uh, and, I, and so it's just a wonderful thing uh, to be able to be here um, this morning and just to, just to focus on his goodness and, and, uh, and, and his love and his mercy and his grace for us. Um, hey, Easter is two weeks away. And of course, it's going to be a little bit different this year. Uh, it's just going to be a little bit different, but it's still going to be good. And I want you to be part of it uh, together as a church. So on Friday morning at 10 a.m., we're going to have a live service and Nick Saros is going to be bringing uh, the word. So make sure you don't miss out on, on that. And then also on Saturday, we are going to have a church camp, but it's going to be in your backyard. Um, we're going to set up tents, uh, parents with kids, uh, get together with your kids and set up a tent, have a fire, have some marshmallows, sit out, out look up at the stars, and um, we're going to just have a, a, a camp together, a camp out in your backyard. And then in the morning, you'll wake up and just as Jesus came out of the grave, we're going to come out of our tent and have an Easter egg hunt. And so make sure you hide Easter eggs around your garden and the kids will absolutely love it. And then you can tune in at 10am on Sunday morning on your couch and we're going to have an Easter Sunday service. So it's going to be a great time. Uh, We'll all be able to share a photo of each other um, on the notice board. And uh, so it's going to be a blessed time. Um, I wonder right now if you wish you could have one of these uh, for your life. I don't know about you, but this is how I've felt in the last week. I wish I could just have a remote control for my life and I would just fast forward through the next six months just just to kind of get through this whole thing. And this has kind of been the overwhelming feeling for me because when difficult times come, our greatest desire is to just get back to normal. We just want to get back to normal. I wonder if you feel that uh, this morning. The greatest desire is to fast forward through the wilderness. Let's get through this. Now, it reminds me of the people of Israel because uh, they also wanted to do this. They wanted to fast forward through the wilderness and they actually had to stay there uh, for 40 years. And there was this prevailing discontent amongst the people. But I wonder if at this present moment, we shouldn't be thinking a little uh, differently, that rather than just wanting to fast forward through the wilderness, that we would actually follow Jesus into the wilderness uh, time um, that, that this is. And so in this text that Ben read out for us, we actually get the key for how we face the wilderness with more than just a desire to get back to normal. And Jesus gives this this story in the context of some teaching on the last days, the end times before he returns, a time where things happening in the world would make it easy to want to give up. And that may be you this morning with everything that you're facing in your life. There's a great temptation upon us to just want to, to give up. 
And, and so Jesus knows that this is going to be a temptation for people. And in verse one of this story, in this context of last day's teaching, he says, it says, he told a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now, the story begins with a judge here who doesn't really care about anyone but himself. He doesn't feel accountable to God, and he doesn't really feel any affection for people. And this is the guy who's supposed to settle uh, conflicts and and disputes and, and, and deal with people's matters in a certain city. So it's not very comforting, is it? And so just put yourself for a moment in the position of this widow. She has something that has totally broken her heart and she has to bring it to a Donald Trump kind of guy. Uh, Not very comforting at all. And to add to that, this is uh, a court kind of situation that belonged to men in that time. So if you're a woman, you didn't have a man to fight your battles, then there was very little chance of actually getting heard. And so at this point, I'm tipping that this widow, her best bet would just be to kind of curl up and go and call it quits somewhere. But not this widow. You see, this widow is the Bible's surprise packet. Don't you love a surprise packet? Somebody who you look at and you think there's not much to them, but they blow all expectations out of the water. Well, this is, this is her. She's the Bible's surprise packet because everything points in her situation, points to her just giving up. She's in the distress of injustice. She is the actual definition of helplessness. But her determination is relentless. She just keeps on coming over and over again to him to get a response. And you can imagine for a minute, the judge, he kind of tries to, uh, to ignore her. And maybe by ignoring her, he thinks after a little while, phew, finally she's gone. Well, wrong, because the judge makes the same mistake that I make when I go and lock myself in the bathroom to get away from my kids And just for a moment, I think, phew, they're gone. And then next minute, bang, 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 down on the door. Dad, dad, they don't go away. They're still there. And this is the same here for this woman, the widow with the judge. He he comes home from the courthouse for lunch and there she is waiting. He he gets back to his office and sits down at his desk and he looks out the window and oh, there she is looking through the window. Uh, He goes home at night uh, to end his day and there she is waiting on the porch. She is beginning to dominate his life. And actually, the Greek imagery of verse 5 here is actually quite funny. It's a boxing image that says that this widow is literally giving me a black eye. She's punching me in the face. She's giving me a black eye. And so, not for any other reason, but that she's a total pain in the neck, the judge finally gives her the justice she craved. He, He gives her an answer. And you see, the lesson that we learn from the Uh, from the widow is that we can't just fast forward our wilderness experiences. We have to push pause and pray. We have to push pause and pray. You see this in the widow. She basically pushes pause on her life in order to do nothing but to seek an answer in her distress. She doesn't just drift along hoping that things will eventually get better. She is relentless in her request to get a breakthrough. And I wonder, uh, maybe today, if you've given up on seeking God that way, to seek him with a relentless 
pursuit. Lord, I need an answer in my distress, in my difficulty. I am the definition right now of helplessness. But I come back to you and I ask you for a breakthrough. Maybe you're struggling with that because you feel like your prayers are just hitting the ceiling. And it's not actually worth your time. Well, here I want to give you in this story three reasons that we need to push pause and pray in this moment. And the first reason is this, that God is not an unjust judge. He is not an unjust judge. Jesus re-enters here uh, in this to explain uh, the meaning of the story to his disciples. He says, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? See, Jesus is a masterful storyteller. Uh, God in, in this story is not the corrupt judge character. He is the contrast to the corrupt judge. In other words, if you can get justice out of a, an unjust guy like this, how much more are you going to get justice out of the one who is just? You know, often when uh, trials and bad things happen in the world, it's like people put uh, God in one of those orange jumpsuits in handcuffs and leads him up to the dock and interrogates him and questions his motives and, 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 and asks whether he's really actually that good. And sometimes we actually do that too. God is in the dock and we are the judge of his character and whether he is truly good. But one day, church, one day, the world is going to see what Pilate saw, Pontius Pilate saw, when Jesus stood before him uh, just before he was crucified. And what Pilate found was that there was no guilt in him. You see, when we pray, we are praying to a God who wants justice in the world more than we have ever wanted justice. His name is just. He is righteous. He is pure. He is holy in all his ways. And he is the one who is bringing about justice in the world. And so we pray to him because we can trust and rely that God wants justice more than any one of us have ever wanted justice. There's this beautiful picture in Revelation chapter 8, which is like all the prayers of the saints rising up to the throne of God like incense, rising up to him, glorifying him. And it's actually those prayers of the saints that God is going to use to actually respond and bring justice in the world. John Piper says it so beautifully. He says it like this. In this text, Revelation 8, is an explanation of what has happened to the millions upon millions of prayers over the last 2,000 years as the saints have cried out again and again, Thy kingdom come! Thy kingdom come. Not one of these prayers prayed in faith has been ignored. Not one is lost or forgotten. Not one has been ineffectual or pointless. They have all been gathering at the altar before the throne of God. What a beautiful picture. Push pause right now in this wilderness season, in this wilderness moment. Because God is bringing about justice and he is using our prayers. He is interacting and he is responding with our prayers in order to bring about a justice that we can't even imagine. Everything in right relationship to one another. And so push pause to pray because God is committed to justice. He will put everything right. The second reason we need to push pause in this moment is because we are not his nagging widow. We are not the nagging widow character in this story. I remember a bunch of times uh, in previous jobs that, you know, I would start. You know, you felt when you first start a job 
and you're going into your boss all the time and you're knocking on the door and saying, ah, can I just ask one more question? I just want to double check. And you just constantly feel all the time like you're like your boss's biggest problem. You're just a total nag. You're always coming to check and to clarify and all that sort of stuff. Well, this uh, story, this, this, this um, account tells us that we are not like that to God. We are not God's nagging widow. It says, and will not God give justice to his elect? That is the contrast. That's what he calls us, his elect, his chosen children. You know, since the moment that my daughter uh, was born nine years ago, I've been hanging for the day where she would just come up to me and sit in my lap and say, uh, Dad, we need to talk. And I've been waiting a long time because, you know, they've got to grow up and they don't really, you know, share their heart yet until they get older. But just recently, my daughter has started to say that, Dad, can we come and have a talk? Hello, Indy, if you're watching. <laughs> and I absolutely love that, but I try not to, you know, I try to play it cool because you don't want to push it away and all that sort of stuff. So you try and play it cool. But I, it's my actual delight when she comes and says, Dad, can we have a talk? And this is the way that God is with us. He isn't nagged. He isn't bothered. He doesn't get a black eye when we come uh, to, to uh, bring our request before him. He delights to interact with his children. He loves his children. And so have a look here in the text here at all the contrasts between this strange widow and the reality of being chosen in Christ. Uh, firstly, this widow, she's a stranger in a strange city. But we are God's elect and our citizenship is in heaven. We have the ticket. We have the passport. We have the residency of a home in heaven. She stands at a distance calling out for justice. But we come boldly before the throne of grace in time of need. She has to plead her own case. But we have Jesus who is our advocate who pleads on our behalf. She has no one to comfort her, but we have the comfort of the Holy Spirit who even speaks on our behalf when we do not have the words to speak. How great is our God? How awesome and wonderful is our God that he may interact with his children in this way. So we can come and say, Dad, can I have a talk? And he delights to answer. He delights uh, to, to speak with us. Now, I'm not saying, church, that prayer is not a struggle, that prayer is not a battle. This story tells us that it is. It must have been painful this, for this woman to keep on coming back and to keep on coming back with her request in the middle of her hurt. And, and I feel this myself, not this past week, but the week before, kind of when everything was, you know, coming out in the news. Uh, I was just coming home every night just feeling really, really anxious. I was feeling the burden of leading through this time. I had some hard attitudes, had some things just in my mind. I felt like I couldn't come home and give my family any attention. I was constantly on my phone reading the news. And I don't know about you, but I was getting those little posts that telling me to trust in God more. And it was kind of making it worse. <laughs> trust in God more, trust in God more. And it was sort of felt like this burden. And I just had this resistance in my heart to just, I just couldn't bring it to God. You know, prayer is a spiritual battle. There's a, there's a war that's going on in unseen places that actually keeps us from coming to God. But the next day, finally, when I, I couldn't handle it anymore, I dropped to my knees in my bedroom and I just said, Lord, here is everything. Here is everything. Here's how I fear, feel. Here's my fears. Here's my doubts. Here's my sin. Here is all my negative attitudes. Here it all is. And I, and I put it out before God and it was a little bit ugly. But there in that moment, 
God actually met me and it was like this, this kind of wall that just broke. And I experienced God afresh in that moment. And I would describe that as a contentment in the wilderness. That is what God uh, comes and gives to his children who cry to him day and night. And it does look a little bit ugly sometimes. But when we cry to him day and night, God will grant us this contentment in the wilderness. And since then, my circumstances haven't changed. They haven't actually changed. But there is a peace that surpasses all understanding that has come upon my heart. And this is what happens when we come to God in in prayer. So, church, pray your tears. That's what it says in this text. Who cry to him day and night. Pray your tears. Uh, Psalm 42, the psalmist says, My tears have been my food day and night. Uh, So pray your tears. Share your emotions with God. He is a father who cares. Pray your fears. Pray your doubts. Pray your guilt. David in Psalm 51, he said, My sin is ever before me. But then he was able to pray the gospel. But create in me a clean heart, O God. And so do that. Bring it all out on the table. And God will meet you in that moment. And he will bring a contentment, a peace in the wilderness that perhaps you've never known. And so finally, in this wilderness experience, push pause uh, because the Son of Man has not yet come. God is not an unjust judge. We are not his nagging widow. And the Son of Man has not yet come. As I said, in times of trial and difficulty, we often put God in the dock. We often kind of put him on trial to see if he's good, to see if he's as committed to justice as we are. And the world says, where is your God now? With everything going on in the world, you know, if God was good, you know, why would he allow something like this to happen? But the way that this account ends is actually quite interesting You see, the reality of the situation is not that God is being questioned, but actually humanity is on the dock. The world is on the dock. It says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You see, the questioning is not so much of God, but rather the question is of the world. Will faith be found in your heart when the Son of Man comes? See, there's going to be many things in this life that are actually going to test our faith, including this season right now. And I don't know about you, but I cannot do this on my own. I I cannot face this on my own. I am so weak. And Jesus knew that in the midst of that weakness, some would faint, some would grow weary, and the love of many will grow cold in this time. But Jesus told this parable to the effect that we might always pray and not lose heart. This is the mark of true faith. Not that we would just long to get back to normal, you know, with our normal life and and kind of the vision of the good life that we have. But actually in this moment, we would pray, we would have faith, we would seek to know God more in this wilderness experience because that is the highest prize. That is the greatest thing that we can actually experience is to know God and that is going to be our eternal occupation is knowing God and being in his presence. You see, when the Son of Man comes, he wants to find faith on the earth. You know, when the Son of Man comes, uh, you know, I don't want my relationship with God to have looked like a text message that you open up with a new friend where there's no conversation history. 
So there's just no text. There's just nothing there. I want uh, my relationship to, with God when the Son of Man comes to be like this feed that I can scroll down and say, hey, remember that? Remember that? Remember how you answered me in that time of need? Remember when I called out to you in this and then you, you answered back in this? This is how I want my relationship with God to be when the Son of Man comes. And this is what God wants to see from the earth, that there has been faith, that there has been relationship, that there has been this interaction between him and those who would follow after Jesus. My prayer right at, the, at this time is, Lord, not just to get back to normal, not to just fast forward through the wilderness, but rather I want to know you, Jesus, my Lord, King of the heavens, King of my heart. I'll trade my treasure and all of my reward, Jesus, to know you and then to know you more. You know, church, there's some difficult things that you are facing right now. And this week, my heart in many ways has been broken to hear people who have lost work, who are struggling financially, who are filled with fear and anxiety at this, at this point in time. I've heard from some of our, our people who are working in the health sector who right now from our church who are hurting. They are struggling. They are feeling anxious and fearful and all kinds of things. And there's all sorts of things that are going on in your heart that I don't even know about. This is a moment, not for us just to long to fast forward through the wilderness, but rather to push pause and to pray, to push pause and to pray, to seek him that we might know him. And that means all of us together, church, all of us together. We actually need to be praying, not just for each other's physical needs, but we need to pray for that too, but actually that there'd be spiritual life, spiritual vitality, that people in this season of wilderness will actually be on fire for the Lord. On Friday morning, if you're on our City, our, um, City Reach West notice board, you would have seen me put up that kind of silly little video uh, with me with my leaf blower, you know, blowing leaves away. Well, uh, it's, that was just kind of a little bit of fun. But actually, every time I actually do that, I actually get my leaf blower and blow out the leaves in the backyard, I'm always surprised at how difficult it is to blow away the spider webs. Those things do not blow away. You t I turn that thing onto full bore and I try and just blow these spider webs out and they stick strong. They are holding together so strong they do not blow away. And I think this is actually what the prayers of God's people are like for each other. They actually hold us together. They're like a web of communication up to God that God is going to use and they are what God uses. Those prayers are what God uses to hold us together through the power of the Spirit. And when the wind comes and blows it, it cannot blow them away. God is going to act. God is going to make all things right. And so right now in this moment, let not our hearts be that we just want to fast forward to get back to normal. Let us take this season, this moment to push pause and to pray. I love you, church. I miss you. And right now I want to pray for you that you will know this surpassing peace, that you will know this contentment in the midst of this wilderness. Father God, right now, Lord, I ask on behalf of my brothers and sisters, the people that I love, the people that you have given to me to do life with, to lead, to shepherd, Lord, I ask for your hand of comfort and peace to be upon them. Lord, I pray that we might forsake the desire to just want to get back to normal, to the way things are. And Lord, that we would uh, push pause right now and that we might seek your face, that we may know you more.
the greatest thing that we could ever, possession we could ever have is to know you, to trade all possessions and all rewards just to know you. And so, Lord, would you come and do that in all the living rooms, in all the places that people are watching this right now? Would you come and minister your grace, your comfort, your peace uh, to your chosen children? And I ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.